Welcome to Sliding Doors Your Story, the podcast that delves into the decisions and moments that shape our lives. I am Jenny Becker, and throughout my life, career, and relationships, I've always been fascinated with the notion that everything happens for a reason, alongside my love for the 90s movie classic, Sliding Doors. Have you ever really thought about those moments that shaped your life? Those decisions that could have gone either way in the opportunities presented to you? Sliding Doors, your story delves into your extraordinary moments and decisions that built the path of your life. Through your applications, we have curated a mini-series with amazing people taking us through their amazing Sliding Doors moments. We will reflect on how a decision or moment changed the course of their lives and how things might have looked if they had never happened. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days, you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm really excited to announce that for this series, we have partnered up with Berksy, who you may have seen on this season's Dragon's Den. Berksy is a super clean and refreshing alcoholic sparkling water, which is also known as a hard seltzer and is sold throughout the UK. All of their flavours are made with real fruit and on a lovely sunny day, my favourite has to be opening up a can of peach and raspberry. And the founders also set up the brand in a sliding doors moment themselves in Toronto's Berksy Park. So we're now asking you to create your own sliding doors moment and have a Berksy with your friends this spring. So whether it's taking the time to listen to a podcast or just having a moment to yourself, taking that time to think about your sliding doors moment. And while you're at it, you can get 20% off your first order using the code sliding doors on their website, www.berksydrinks.com, where you can also tell us your sliding doors moment by entering it through the website. Enjoy the episode. My guest today is Aaron Brown. Aaron is 44 and lives with his family in Cambridge. Today he will be sharing his life-changing moment when one night an accident at his university house led his life to never be the same again. So welcome to Sliding Doors, your story, Aaron. It's really great to have you on today to chat all about your moment. Thank Um, you so much. um, I wanted to start off, I think it will be great just for you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Where do you live? Where are you from? What do you do? Of course, yeah. So um, I, um, I, I'm just getting over being an expat. So I've uh, kind of grown up 
my entire life in the Middle East. Um, mm. And um, so I was, I was one when I first went to Saudi Arabia and lived there till I was 11 years old. Wow. So yes, very much the expat brat and a very sort of strange upbringing, but very nice and very happy, um, but in, in foreign lands. So. And are both your parents English, so you kind of moved over there? Yes, yeah. yeah. We moved over in the 70s and um, it was a very strange place back then and still is, I suppose, to a certain yeah. extent. Um, so yes, I was there till 11 and then I went to boarding school back in England, which was you know um, very wet behind the ears. And it was all very new to me being in, in this strange land that I now call home. Um, and yes, I went through boarding school and university and then just sort of took a career in real estate. Um, I moved back out to Dubai um, to, to sort of have the, the homing pigeon of the Middle East call back and then did a fair bit of work in Dubai and Qatar and back in Saudi Arabia again until, you know, settled down and got married and now I have a seven-year-old daughter. And we got to the stage last year where we're all living in Dubai together. And we thought, I think it's time to go home. I think we've done yeah. 16 years of living and working in the Middle East, plus my childhood being there. I think mm-hmm. it's now time to sort of plant our roots back home. So yes, that was last September. Um, we moved back to, to England for the first time as a family. So Wow. And how, how, how's the adjustment been kind of moving back here from being in such a different climate, but also a different country? Yeah. I mean, it, do you know what? it's actually been fine. So I, um, I, I work for WeWork and I've taken a job um, that I, I started with them two years ago briefly and then left and then came back. So it was all sort of, um, all the stars had to align for us to come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so yeah, we had to have a job, we had to have um, the end of our chapter in Dubai. Um, so I, I came back in September and my, my wife and daughter joined me in December. So that period of being apart was quite difficult because yeah. we'd never been apart like that before. So just constantly, you know, zooming each other with a four hour time difference isn't always easy. Um, mm-hmm. But since they've all come back to to, to UK and, and we're all living you know, back together and trying to settle Lila into a new school, I, I, I'm delighted to say it's actually gone really smoothly. Um, oh, that's great news. And and I guess what kind of made you want to, we'll go on to talking about your moments soon, but what made you want to kind of share your sliding doors moment with our listeners? So I've, been, I've been running around that question in my head because I thought you might ask it. And I think when when the question was prompted, you know, about sliding doors and do you want to share anything? And that my, my sliding doors moment immediately popped into my head. Um, and I thought, why do I want to share it? And I suppose I've always kind of, I've always told the story to people in a, sort of raconteur party piece you know this is yeah. what happened to me once upon a time around a dinner table and made quite you know light of it but I think I think actually just delving into it a little bit deeper it was quite shocking that I'd never actually taken the time to to consider the sliding doors yeah. moment and when I did it's like holy hell actually that was a very significant turning point you know fork in the roads uh, of my life and and why not why not sort of pick it apart a little bit Definitely. And piece all the little pieces together that kind of built the path. And I guess before we talk about your moment, I wanted to ask you, what are your thoughts around the concept of sliding doors? So fate, coincidence, timing, everything happening for a reason. What, what do you believe? Um, so I'm not a big believer in fate. In, you know, I don't think there's a, a big plan set out for us all and things are meant to be going along a certain path. I'm a yeah. huge believer in the chaos theory that, you know, atoms collide, stars collide, everything just bumps into each other and goes a certain way. But it's what you make of it when it does go that way, whether it's good or bad, whichever path is set out before you. Um, I, I just think that things happen. I do believe things happen for a reason. I don't yeah. think it's preempted or there's anything that is you know, in our path. It's just things happen for a reason because of the choices you've made and because of the choices you're, you're, you're going to make or the ambition or plans you've got. So 
I very much believe that you kind of create your own destiny in that way. Yeah, definitely. And do you kind of think that, you know, when, when things don't go your way, are you someone that can sit back and be like, well, you know what, this is my path. That's the way it's meant to happen. I try to be that. <laughs> we all try, don't <laughs> yeah, we? It's really hard. I do. Yeah. I've actually, I think I told you last night, I've been listening to sort of, you know, some books like uh, I was listening to Darren Brown, who I really enjoy. And he talks a lot about sort of stoicism, which yeah. I've misinterpreted what that means. And it, it is about that. It's just that, you know, when, when things don't go your way, you've got to sit back and think, okay, it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. You've just got to soldier on and just try and find a way to make the best of the situation or put it behind you and move on. If you can't do anything about it, if, if none of your actions or words or deeds will change it, just yeah. look forward and do something else. So yes, I, I, I have that at the front of my mind to try and be that way. It's not always the way it turns out, but um, certainly it's, my, it's a North Star for me. Yeah. And I think it is for everyone. And actually it links very closely to your moment because, you know, it's something really big that happened to you that you can't really, you couldn't have changed. And it was a, such a significant moment. So yeah. if we go on to talking about it, so your sliding doors moment is you accidentally set fire to your student house, which changed the whole course of your life and permanently shaped you and who you are today. So I've abbreviated that story massively, but <laughs> it's an amazing story. And I kind of want you to explain exactly what happened where you were in your life um the kind of moments of that evening and what happened there and it was also Friday the 13th which is an incredible date as well so do you want to explain a bit why this is your sliding doors moment yeah absolutely so just give it some context I'd always um sort of alluded to me growing up abroad and you know going to boarding school I'd always been very very independent and and sort of set my stall out on that and, and took a lot of pride in being independent so when I went to when I finished school, I was a teacher for a year and, and went there myself to the school. I didn't want my parents to drop me off. I wanted to do it myself. And the same yeah. university, I drove myself there. I didn't want to be the, the kid there with her parents doing a big goodbye. I did it, you know, I did it by myself. I did it on my mm-hmm. own. And I wanted it to be that way. Um, so, yeah, I was at Loughborough University uh, and spent the first year in halls, which was great. And I had loads of fun and joined the rugby team. And it was, you know, as students should be, it was hilarious yeah. <laughs> and crazy and doing all sorts of things you shouldn't. Um, and then in the second year, moved into a house. Um, I'll always remember the address. It's 55 Stora Road. Um, and was, we moved in with, with five other guys. Uh, three of them lived upstairs. Myself and Will lived downstairs. I was next to the kitchen. He was next to the front door. There's always um, those. And I was always put in those annoying rooms that were downstairs. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it was annoying as well because I was right next to where everyone would be either coming through the corridor or, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we had, you know, being students and being sort of rugby players and rugby lads, we had this sort of wild card night where each of us had a wild card and we could play it at any time. So if we showed our wild card, every member of the household had to go out whichever night it was. Okay. Uh, at the time I was, I was playing uh, rugby in Worcester. So I was driving back and forth from, from Worcester to, to, um, to Loughborough twice a week um, on a Thursday, on a Tuesday. So one Thursday I drove back and um, as I got back, got the call that, hey, Robin's played his wild card. I was like, oh, right, okay, we're going out then. So that being Thursday, the 12th of November, uh, 1998. Um, so we all went out and had a massive night out and came back. Um, I was meant to, on the way back, I was meant to stop at the petrol station to pick up a bulb because mine had gone in my house, in my room, mm-hmm. but didn't because I was too keen to get back and drink beers. So I didn't do that. Um, so when we got back from the night out, I lit a candle that had a paper wrap around it. I put that candle on top of a, an Ikea, you remember those sort of A4 frames from Ikea that have a yeah. chipboard backing? I put yeah, it on top yeah, of yeah. a chipboard backing, which is on top of like a poof um, stool thing, which was next to a clothes horse, uh, and then went to sleep. I and what, was, your intent, 
was your intention at the time like just to kind of have a bit of light you weren't kind of intending to fall asleep with the with the light no not at all yeah it was literally just to sort of just have a bit of light and then, yeah. and then that's it pass out and there's no laptops or ipads or anything like that so um so yes it may, may have been an hour maybe in two hours I, I just don't know but uh thank god what happened happened so close to my face i was woken up by this incredible heat yeah. that was on my cheeks and I, I remember it I can I can feel it as I talk about it and it was no more than maybe three foot away from me um and there was just this, I opened my eyes and there was just this blaze and by the time I got out of bed the blaze had hit the clothes horse and the, the clothes horse had hit the, the flames from those had hit the curtains and all of a sudden I just sort of watched this fire race up the wall within seconds and oh just thought God. shit and then I ran through the house uh, and a friend of ours was stayed from the night out, was mm-hmm. in our living room and just woke up to see me running through to the kitchen, getting one of those sort of washing up basin plastic things, yeah. filling it with what I thought was a full thing of water, but it wasn't, ran back to the bedroom and just threw it onto the curtains. Uh, and what I essentially was doing was just throwing air and fanning the flames. So the next thing I did was realise that the smoke was coming down. So I thought, oh, we're not going to have to breathe here. So I, I broke a window to let the smoke out, yeah. which obviously lets the oxygen in. And that just went, it went crazy after that. So... Chris, who had woken up, just tapped me on the shoulder and said, we need to get everyone out of the house. Yeah. Um, so we then I went around the house, went trying to wake people up, saying the house is on fire. They obviously thought it was a joke. but um, Well, I'm guessing in your house, with everything that was going on, they definitely thought it was a yeah. joke. Um, so, you know, we got everyone out of the house. And I, I remember going outside, it was, it was cold, it was November, and, and just stood outside the door, just hearing this cackle and this, this the sound of breaking glass. Um, and then Will, who lived next to me near the front door, went back in to go and get his duvet because he was cold. And I just thought, oh, why am I not going back in to get my stuff? So oh my I, I went back in and I still got the scar in my hand. I went back and hit the door handle to try and open my door, but it was too hot. So I kicked it. And I don't know if you've seen backdraft, but the fire then just flew yeah. out of the door um, into the corridor, threw me backwards. And then I remember just being pulled out of the house and, and then, then passed out. I came around a, a little while later um, with the firemen stood over me in our friend's house who lived down the road, a bunch of girls. Because um, we woke them up and told them what happened. So yeah, I just came around, yeah. I don't know, 15 minutes later and, and just by then they'd you know, got the fire out. Um, luckily it was contained into the downstairs bit in my bedroom, which was a bit of an annex coming out. So it was contained yeah. into there, but the rest of the house was completely smoke damaged. Um, so yeah, that was... <laughs> that's and, the everyone, when... and everyone kind of came out like unharmed or like, you know, alive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think within... All that, that um, it probably takes me longer to describe it than what actually happened. You know, we got everyone out very safely and mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we were covered in smoke and certain it was all over us, but you know, everyone was safe. Um, yeah. I very much remember going to, the next morning, going to um, one of the, the, the student accommodation halls and, and having breakfast there because obviously we need to go and eat. Um, and, and we were just covered in soot and sat there in silence, just looking at each other, not quite believing what had happened. And was there were they was there anyone in your house ever angry with you about what happened because it was your fault or was a lot of the guilt just that you put on yourself? Do you know actually it, it did cause a little bit of a disruption into friendships because um, you know whilst we're all trying to claim on insurance and the landlord was trying to charge us rent for the period we weren't there and, and it, it did get a little bit um, sort of pernickety in that way and one of my friends' dads you know threatened to sue me because you know, they couldn't get their insurance claim back so you know that that did cause a bit of a rift um yeah. but um everyone else was I mean the, the, the support from from everyone was absolutely incredible I you know I was a member of the rugby team and they 
all clubbed together and just bought me a load of kits. I mean, I had nothing. I had, you know, all my clothes are destroyed. All my my laptops, my everything, all my notes from and university. And you were homeless. So was it was it kind of like everything you kind of really owned was in that room? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I take that as I say. I moved there myself. So I'd taken everything. Um, yeah, including things from from my own house at home. I wanted to sort of settle in there. So. Yeah, everything had gone. The only thing I actually managed to salvage, strangely enough, and I still have it, and it still smells of smoke, is my passport. Wow. Yeah, that was just poking through the rubble the next day, looking at what was remaining was, yeah, um, yeah my passport, that's it. Incredible. And what was kind of, what were the subsequent actions that happened after the fire? Because I think, you know, that's the sliding doors moment. How did it really change your life that after that night? So, so it was November. So we had these sort of midterm exams. I can't remember what they're called, but they had the Christmas exams. They yeah. were literally a few days later. And I'd been to my um, lecturer um, and, and asked for, you know, notes for, for all things I'd missed and, and to catch up. And he just said, well, you're going to have to copy off your friends or get your friends notes. So I was really not in the right headspace to, to do any of that or to do much, to be honest. And um, I, I'm a few days later being sat in an exam hall, um, just wearing rugby kicks. That's all I had to wear. And uh, I started an essay for about three lines and then just wrote, Dear Examiner, um, I would love to have a copy of this actually. Uh, Dear Examiner, um, my apologies for the introduction of this essay. Let me explain what's happened. And I just wrote and wrote and wrote what had, what had just transpired, um, which didn't really get me a pass. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that year at university, I kind of, I just rejected the whole idea of, of, of studying and learning and just sort of lent myself to the friendships that, that supported me and been so incredible mm-hmm. to me um which isn't good for, for passing exams so I dropped out of university in that second year and, and went to work um staying at my parents house because they were still in Saudi at this point um, and I hadn't told them what happened that's the the other crazy thing I just didn't I mentioned the fire to them about two weeks later um because yeah. they had to know but it took me two weeks to swallow my pride and do that because you know I just felt so embarrassed and stupid and and what was that it was it that you just kind of felt the guilt and the like I just don't know how I'm going to tell my parents that this was all because yeah, of me and I didn't want to be a burden you know they were over there yeah. and I didn't want to worry I had this all my life and I don't want to worry them when they're so far away and, and cause them any sort of distress um but I didn't tell them I failed university for a year you know I, I, I just pretended I was on a year out in industry and was living in their house and just scraping by a living on a measly salary for someone who had zero experience so it was it was just a point in my life where I just kind of I think I suppressed everything and just yeah. hid everything um and you know didn't know what I was going to do I was just I was like working in a, a small office above a bank doing a logistics job just thinking is this it you know, is, this, is this all I've got now to show for you know, all the hard work I've done at school and mm-hmm. the first year of university um and then I just sort of bucked my ideas up and broke down and told my parents what happened you know a year and a bit later um and, and I you know, hadn't been at university. I'd been kicked out. And, yeah. and they kind of, my dad was, was amazing, actually. He said, you know, whilst this is very shocking to hear and um, you know, I can't believe you haven't told us this, he then later admitted that he was delighted because he got the chance to be a father again, to, to you know, support and, yeah. and, to, and to help rather than me being this independent, independent guy that thought he could do everything himself. Um, so, and do you think you know, that was the turning point for you, telling your parents? Was that kind of, because I almost see you having like a, we talk about this a lot on the podcast, like a part one of your life and a part two. Do you mm. think that was the turning point for you? Yeah, absolutely. Because up, up until that point, I think from the fire up until that point, I just drifted and just wasn't, I just didn't know what on earth was was happening now. What, as I said earlier on, choosing your path and, and you know, choosing what you're going to do. I just didn't have that. I, I couldn't see further than this sort of 
false lie that I was living in this state of constant denial of what I was doing and, and yeah. actually denying to my parents what, what happened. So, yes, I remember distinctly sat down around the, the table and had that discussion and it was, you know, and they just said, okay, well, what do you want to do? You know, what, what is it you want to do? You, you can't go back to, to university. You can't go back into that, um, that function of university because once you've failed, that's it, you're out. Yeah. Um, I just had a few weeks of thinking about it. I thought, you know, I want to go back and do something I actually enjoy learning about. You know, I went back and did politics. So I decided to go back to university. I studied politics. I really enjoyed it. I met a girl, who was now, but met a girl and, and managed to pass and graduate and moved up to Manchester. Um, and then that job took me down to London. And then in London, I met a guy and we went to the Dubai Sevens together. Um, and then we consequently moved to Dubai and all these things then just transpired and just started yeah. being, you know, real life just kicked in rather than me being this sort of limbo state of, of nothingness. Um, and, you know, that, that, the rest is history. It took me to Dubai and that's where I met my wife and that's where I met my kid. And you know, all these things, all these little pieces that, that, that went before that yeah. just led me to that point. And I, you know, and talking with the sliding doors moment. I just can't imagine what would happen if or where I'd be if I didn't have that fire. You know, would I have yeah. passed that year? Would I have been happy? I probably would have gone into a consultant's job and followed everyone else because I was doing management science and you know, desperately unhappy in a job. And which city would it have taken to me to? Or who would I have met along the way? There are so many different what-ifs that, that, that I can't even comprehend the, 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 what the journey that would have been. But, Definitely. And as yeah. you say, it's all the stepping stones that have built your life. And actually you've answered the question I was going to ask you is how different your life would have been. And I think, you know, from listening to you speak, I think there's a few things that seem to really change you. I think one was your just outlook on life and, you know, as you say, all your stuff just went and it was about the connections that you had with people, the relationships, but it also sounds like, you know, this also, although it, you know, at the beginning it didn't really change because you didn't tell your parents, but do you think, are you now a more open person with your friends and your family because you've kind of saw the positive it gave you absolutely. when you kind of were honest with your parents? Yeah, absolutely. It's got me to the point where I'm probably an oversharer, but, um, it, you know, it, I just, I think I did it a lot at school as well. Maybe it was something that was, that was drilled into me, not drilled into me, but not a, a choice I took from, from being at boarding school and, and being very homesick at the start and, and having to sort of hide that. Even though I wasn't, there was no pressure on me to hide it. I did anyway. I hid that because I didn't want to upset anyone. So yeah, yeah I, I learned to actually rely on people again. I learned to um, realize that, you know, even when you've got nothing and everything's scraped back and, and you, you're sort of sat there just in a pile of, sooty rubble picking through your trying to find your possessions actually when you surround yourself with amazing people the, the support and rallying around is just one of the best things you can ever have even though mm -hmm. you're sort of, you've lost a lot the the connection you feel to people of, of you know, a friend in need a friend a friend in need is a friend indeed it was just taken to a whole new level it was it was phenomenal definitely and it's it's a really hard one because I was thinking about this before and it's you know it was a tragic thing that happened but so to say you know, if it hadn't have happened, you don't want to set your house on fire. So you kind of, you know, you wish it hadn't of, but I think for you specifically, it it was just a catalyst to so many things in your life that did change. And as you say, shaped the person who you are today. And I think sometimes sliding doors moments don't have to be, you know, big fireworks and life saving moments. And, you know, that fire could have gone either way, but it's a real defining moment, as you said, that you can really drill back down to yeah. that starts everything. And how do you feel now when it's Friday the 13th? Do you have any damage like 
in your mentally from the fire? Um, again, this is something I hadn't thought about, which is why I'm really happy, really happy to unpack all of this. So the 13th actually is a really significant number in, in, in my life. So there was that. Um, my wedding day was on the 13th um, of July. Uh, my daughter Amazing. was born on the 13th of October. Wow. So, um, and this wasn't, you know, all these things weren't planned, obviously. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, I don't consider it an, an unlucky number. For me, it was um, lucky in so many respects. Yeah, oh, I love that. Um, and I guess before we go, I wanted to ask you, if there's one thing that you've kind of learned from your Sangdoz moment, I know there's been a lot, um, that you'd want our listeners to take away from listening to your story today, what would that be? I suppose it would be, and look, my, my story isn't one that is, I, I consider tragic. It was life-changing, but it's not tragic. But even if things are tragic, even if things seem like they're terrible, there's always, there's always a way to move forward. There's always something that you can do to, to pull yourself through. And, and um, when you surround yourself with, with people, that if you're lucky enough to have people around you that you can really lean on and trust, keep them close always and you know, never, never actually take that for granted because yeah. hopefully not, but one day their support is going to mean the world to you. It's so true. And, you know, I love this moment for so many reasons, but it's just the thought of the the lamp not working. And as you say, you are going to get a bulb. And, you know, I mean, the message is please never light a candle when you're about to go to bed or fall asleep. I think yeah. it's a bit different now. We've got iPhones and we can use torches and it's different like exactly. that. But, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's just an incredible story. And I'm really glad that you decided to share it with our listeners and unpick it with us. So thank you so much for sharing it today. Oh, thank you. It's been really interesting. Thanks so much, Aaron. Okay, thanks a lot. Thank you, bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sliding Doors. If you've enjoyed our chat and found it inspiring, I would love it if you could rate, review, share and subscribe. Thank you so much. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.